listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future. I'm your other co-host, Kenny Van Doren. You can find me on Twitter at The Vandalorian. Today, we're sitting down with an Astros pitching prospect and 2021 six-round pick, Spencer Arrigetti. Spencer, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. It's a really cool for sure, opportunity. For sure. So I know you're down in Florida right now at, at minicamp. Um, what's that experience like and what, what do they have y'all doing right now so early in in, uh, in spring? So uh, minicamp to me is like a jump start on spring training, which I only end up feeling more prepared. I did this last year and it was it was a really good period for me to basically take the time with our pitching staff to make sure that the stuff's where we want it before we start hopping into lives and in games. And then once we got stuff down, okay, we're going to work on execution now. And uh, basically our week to week schedule right now is uh, two mound outings a week. We'll get a couple lifts in, but every day we're, we're on feet, we're outside on the field doing some kind of, some kind of drill work, whether it be for PFPs or for delivery progression and, uh, it's a really good chance to to see how everybody's doing, get get re-familiar with being in the clubhouse again, being at the field a lot, and uh, I, I love it. Minicamp's great. It's it's really cool getting to work not with the big league guys, but seeing them around also. So obviously, minor league camp usually doesn't overlap in or much er, overlap much with those guys, but right now, I mean, in the weight room, it's everybody's in there, everybody's using the same facility, so it's cool to see some of those guys getting their work in at the same time. And you came off your second, your first full professional season, second off season. Did you kind of feel like it was just easier, you know, it was easier to progress on your own, you know, get better because you had that mini camp last year and you had a full season behind you. Absolutely. So I would say like uh, since being drafted, obviously had the half season, had instructs. So like right there, learned a lot. First full off season, little shaky, didn't really know what to expect coming into spring training and then had the full season, like you said, had mini camp last year. So I knew what to expect coming in a lot better this year. And I would say because of that, yeah, it was a lot easier to to get myself feeling ready to be in camp again when the time was right. So uh, where, where did, what did you do for uh, most of your workouts this off season? Was there anything like specific that you focused on that you, know, you went into the off season saying, this is what I need to work on? Uh, for the most part, it was just get stronger, like gain a little bit more weight. I know uh, one question that a lot of people have had is like, is the physicality going to play as a starter? And in my head, the answer is without a doubt, yes. And I feel like this offseason was a chance for me to prove that I could keep weight on, not uh, not show up to camp, not ready. And I feel like in the in the metrics that we use to track like power, speed, whatever force production, I'm up in every category. So I would say I accomplished what I, what I needed to this off season body weight, staying around 200 pounds. So that was, I think the kind of the goal for me was just generally get stronger and keep weight on. Staying on the mound and looking at your pitching performances, you know, we've heard about the fastball, you know, vertical break has been compared to Christian Javier by certain scouts, but you know, how the, how the rest of, how the rest of your arsenals, you know, how's it shaken out? You know, I know we've heard about the changeup as well. Yeah. So, uh, 
I would say my fastball is my best pitch just because, like you said, low low release height, lots of hop, gives the Christian Javier look with like a kind of down-to-up approach. But uh, playing off that against righties, I, I mix a sweep slider and, like you said, the changeup. But I, I prefer the sweep slider to right-handed hitters. It's usually like more than 16 inches of sweep, so that's that's pretty good on that pitch. I like to – I like to throw changeups sometimes to righties, but again, that's kind of been the project and it's definitely progressing a lot. Like this off season, we saw the shape get more consistent. Like I'd had good reps in the past, but not high feel for repeating good reps. And I'm starting to get there with that. And now that, now that that's in a good place, we're working on more execution based stuff in zone to both righties and lefties. And then I'll throw a curveball to lefties as well. So it's a little bit sweepier, not super, super depthy, kind of almost a slurve, but, we're working on throwing that one a little bit harder so that I can get better results in zone with it. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. I remember last year we talked and you, you mentioned uh, like slider being your best off speed pitch and working on that curveball. Mm-hmm. So how would you say that that curveball has progressed from last year to the off season? Is it a pitch that you're like confident in throwing now? Absolutely. I, I got some, I got some good help from a guy that knows a thing or two about good curveballs, Lance McCullers this <laughs> off season. And uh, he showed me a couple things and showed me his approach to throwing the pitch and it, it made a lot of sense to me and since then i've kind of just run with it and it's gotten a lot better like the shape is like change up in fastballs i've said it's just getting more consistent so i'd say that's that's a good trend for me it was already gross like that wasn't the problem i just needed <laughs> to throw it in the zone more and throw it a yeah. little bit harder so we're getting there and that, that kind of bleeds into our next question at your know, astros fan fest Lance name dropped you. He was very complimentary of like you guys working out together this past off season. What is that kind of like to hear him say that? Uh, it's surreal, really. Cause uh, I mean, I, I pitched at Cinco Ranch high school in Katy, Texas, 20 miles from our stadium. And I've watched that guy pitch a minute made countless times. And now I get to work out side by side with him. And uh, it's a really humbling experience for sure. Just like realizing that my, my idols growing up are starting to become my peers in a way. And it's, it's direct attribution to the people around me that have helped to make me better and have helped put me in this position where now I can be side by side with somebody like that and feel comfortable and confident talking about our craft. But uh, it's, it's, it's a blessing really like being able to, to have those conversations with these type of guys that I have so much respect for and so much respect for their game and to be sharing bits of knowledge with them. Like it, it means the world to me really. And for him to speak highly of me, the same thing. It just feels like validation of what I feel like is coming together on my end. Definitely. So I'm guessing you got some workouts in with him at like DST. I know you were working out there this offseason. Yeah. Was outside of the the curveball itself. Was there any other any other advice he gave you in the offseason, or um, you know maybe maybe preparation or anything else that y'all kind of talked about? Absolutely. I mean. Beyond the stuff, like obviously the the numbers really dictate a lot of what we do now, especially in the Astros org. We're really big with the analytics, but Mm -hmm. uh, he told me just be me. Like that's the one piece of advice like he repeats the most when I see him, when we speak. It's just, just go be you, like go shove and go be you. Like that, that speaks for itself. This stuff's always going to be there, but it's about being the same guy when you show up and just go be Spencer and go do what I do. You kind of dropped there a little bit earlier about how your idols became your peers and you know there's a lot of connections between you and the Astros you and Houston before you even were drafted by the Astros uh you played with a guy named AJ Bregman 
brother of Alex on the travel <laughs> yeah. team. Uh, you played high school in the Cin- at Cinco Ranch in the Katy area. Did you feel like it was meant to be when you heard your name called in 2021? It felt like a full circle moment. Absolutely. I, it's been a, it's been my goal, my dream since I was seven years old to play professional baseball and to have it shape out in such a, a cinematic way was really special for me. Absolutely. It, it did feel like it was meant to be. And I, think if, I definitely feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I think if I remember right, um, you said you were at uh, game five of the 2017 World Series, right? So, yeah, yeah. had had the great experience, you know, <laughs> as a fan and, and eventually get there as a player. Uh, so last mm-hmm. year, you and Chase McDermott were together on, on uh, you know, in, in Asheville and really racking up the strikeouts in the midseason. He gets traded for Trey Mancini and Astros won a World Series, so it works out. But was that kind of like a, an eye-opening day, you know, seeing someone that you were drafted with and playing with ended up getting dealt to another team? It was eye-opening for sure, actually. I remember the day really clearly. I was sitting in the hotel room. Uh, we were in Hickory. We were playing the, the Rangers High affiliate, and I saw the news pop up on ESPN I got a notification I had been sitting by my phone all day like admittedly a little nervous myself because I I didn't want to be traded and I saw it pop up Trey Mancini to the Astros two pitching two minor league pitching prospects to be named later so Mm -hmm. first thing I do hop on the phone I call Chase said Chase did you get a call says yeah I got traded I said sorry man it's been an honor it's been a pleasure you're gonna go do big things same same conversation I'd have with anybody in a situation but uh yeah it was it was crazy like he and I I remember the day that I met him I remember the day that it happened and every day in between he and I got a lot better like pushing each other because we wanted to be the best on the staff and that guy made me a lot better just by being in the clubhouse and I appreciate him for that and obviously the Astros appreciate him for bringing a big leaguer that helped us win a world series. And a lot of people don't see that side of being traded, but at the end of the day, like he did the Astros a huge favor. And I think he'll be, I think he's a big leaguer before too long because of the situation he's in now too. So Mm -hmm. worked out for everybody, but it is sad to see him go. Yeah. We had chase on the podcast a few months ago and, you know, he talked about how you guys would build off of each other and you're kind of like a strikeout competition going there for a while. It'd be like his start happens He's about six ahead of you. Then you tie him Then you get up a little bit ahead. What was that kind of like to have that strikeout battle? It all kind of like went without saying, like we would drop little, uh, like better be more than six this week, or you better (laughs) have eight this week, or I'm going to have 10 this week kind of thing. Just like keeping each other mindful that we were so neck and neck the whole season. And obviously like we were trying to win games in Asheville still too. We, We got off to a little rocky start at the beginning of the year but it honestly it gave us something to like be excited about in the clubhouse at least he and i and some of the other guys on the pitching mm-hmm. staff like they joke with us about it like oh who's it going to be this week mm-hmm. coaches included like it, it was a really cool it was a really cool thing to have going on even though like development's kind of ugly sometimes and we lose games and it feels bad but like it's cool to be able to push each other to like climb climb leaderboards or like be one percent better the day that we were before better than the day we were before but yeah it was it was a really cool experience for sure yeah, glad it, i ended it, up with more, more by the way <laughs> yeah he was Chase, he, stayed, <laughs> he stayed in the same uh division right because he went mm-hmm. i think the orioles are in the same the south atlantic so did you guys yeah. ever see him again or no so we went to Aberdeen shortly after that, but he actually got promoted to Bowie the week before we got oh. there, like right at the end of the week when we were rolling into town. So I think he ended up coming to see some of the guys from Bowie, but it was 
a little bit awkward timing there. We almost ran into each other, but not quite. But then obviously mm-hmm. he went, you did well in double A as well. So good for both of us. For sure. Yeah. I think the next time you'd catch it, it'd have to be in the majors, right? Because that they're, yeah, absolutely. Their double A is not near you guys. So yeah. Well, that's cool. No. Kind of like just segueing off that fun stuff. You know, we had some fun questions for you. And this is one that we do like to ask the pitchers. Um, um, who is the toughest hitter to face in the system? We like to ask the hitters who's the toughest pitcher to face. If you who have you like faced in the Astro system that's probably the toughest to get out? I don't think this answer is going to surprise either of you that much, but it might surprise some. Joey Loperfito is easily the hardest out in the system in my book. And it's not it's not even like just one thing or another. Like he knows what pitch he wants to hit. And if he doesn't get it, he doesn't swing. And when he does swing, it's a good swing and he makes good contact. So he's He's a guy to watch out for. That's a special bat that we have in the system right now, for sure. JC Correa, too. He never punches out, and I like punching guys out, so that's annoying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if, if uh, you know, you don't have to worry about it anymore, Universal DH, it, and even before that, you know, American League. But if you ended up having to having to get in at bat uh, up at the plate, what do you think the realistic outcome would be for you? I'd probably foul a ball off my foot. And then <laughs> kind of be domed up after that and probably strike out. <laughs> I'm I'm just being realistic. Like if I'm facing double A competition or up, I am, it's not going to go well. <laughs> I hit a little bit in high school. I had some juice, but only because I, I I was a bigger dude and could rotate pretty well. But yeah, I got no bat to ball skills at all. A lot of people might not know this about you, but uh, you ended up at Louisiana Lafayette after TCU and Navarro. Um, so you've been around some good food growing up in New Mexico, Texas, but what's the best Cajun, like what's the go-to Cajun plate for you? Uh, I'm a big jambalaya guy. I think like when that's made well, that's like the pinnacle of Cajun food. Like obviously a lot of it is a little similar, but that's like, like that's far and away my favorite. I ate so much of that when I was in school there. This is probably a good bulking food, I guess, right? Absolutely. I need more <laughs> of it, I guess. So I, I know I remember last year you, you ended up getting a glove that was like a, a turquoise color, like matched the uh the, the tourist uniform um perfect. Or do you got anything in, in uh in store for this year for the hooks, you know, maybe a maybe a baby blue or a navy blue? I got something in store. All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll see it out there on the field. I haven't even got it yet, but it oh, it, cool. it looks pretty cool on the Wilson website. We'll say that. I, I like the nice. snakeskin option they have, so I went with a lot of that this year. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we got this next one off of Twitter. Someone wanted to know uh, which defenders in the system have impressed you the most, like backing you up in high A, single A, and double A. Hmm. Honestly, we're really spoiled across the board pretty much, but I want to shout out the outfielders in Asheville because what those guys did last year with obviously the stadium that's there, like it's the hardest outfield in minor league baseball to play, I'm sure. But they held it down out there. Michael Sandal is unreal. Zach Daniels is great. Colin Barber is great. Like it's, I, it's hard to explain to like casual baseball watchers why that's such a hard outfield to play, but I would say those guys specifically. And then, man, in Corpus, the, the defense is fantastic. Uh, Greg Kessinger is really special up the middle. Guy's got a really great glove. Uh, CJ Stubbs, both behind the plate and in the outfield. I I love his glove everywhere. Um, 
Yeah, we have a lot of elite defenders, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. We love that on the pitching yeah, side. For sure. Especially I guess with, you know, the 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 shift going away this year too. So that the uh that kind of defense is gonna be even more important. I think it's kind of a good thing though. Yeah, no, I mean, it's gonna make I'm of I'm of a weird school of thought that the shift actually turns at least in minor league baseball. I can't say this in major league baseball because they have really great scouting reports, but in mm -hmm. minor league baseball, the shift just turns more hits in it turns more outs into hits instead of hits mm -hmm. into outs. Because we don't have – we're all trying to make adjustments day-to-day. -day. Like, nobody has that great of a scouting report in minor league baseball, especially mm -hmm. hitters. Like, their tendencies are going to change the more they change and mature as hitters, just like my tendencies are going to change the more I mature as a pitcher. So right. I think that it's kind of a good thing. It, yeah. Like, playing the game straight up is fine in minor league baseball. For sure. Uh, staying on that, stay on that topic one real quick on this one is okay. that I know at the end of the season in single A, Walker Brockhouse, I don't know if you know who he is, but he was mm -hmm. he he like I think he DH'd because Fayetteville was down a couple hands. If if the hooks or the uh space cowboys next season are down a couple guys and they need you to play a position, where can you tell Mickey Story? Where can you tell uh Dick or Joe Thon that you can play? Dude, third base. I I actually have <laughs> I have pretty decent infield athleticism. I got good hands. I've always played infield, or at least I did a lot growing up anyways, obviously in college, PO. But all the way through high school, I played infield, and I was really good at third. So I could definitely hold it down over there. I might not – I may need a little adjustment period because I hit the ball a little harder now. But, yeah, I, I could hold it down. <laughs> so today they, enough, uh... oh, go a little ahead, bit here, I almost did in Asheville last year. We had a game in, <laughs> uh, in Hickory where we had, like, Four guys get sick. A couple guys were like beat up, kind of hurting. And uh, Ramazadi, the position coach, walks over to me and mm -hmm. goes, Hey, uh, you have to go put on cleats and a jersey. So this is one of my off days. I'm sitting in the dugout, just like <laughs> kind of watching the outing. And he's like, Hey, uh, if anybody goes down, you're going to third base. I was like, Hey, man, you've seen it. We take PFPs. You know, I got it. <laughs> Fortunately, it didn't happen. It would have been a bad yeah. thing for everybody. But yeah, just a little bit. So t today the Astros announced the uh, – you probably knew some of them already, but they announced the actual the, – the coaching staff for all minor league affiliates. And I noticed a lot of the guys from Fayetteville last year moved up to to double-A, pretty much a lot of the staff. So you're going to get to see a lot of the guys that you were probably with maybe last year or the year before. Um, but how, how was that to see kind of that promotion for the coaches as well? We see it with the players all the time, but how is it to see it from on the coaches' level, the guys that are putting in the work kind of behind the scenes? All of it's well-deserved. I'll start by saying that. And obviously, as we progress, they progress along with us. Like, we learn from them. They learn from us. Everybody benefits. And I think it's it's really a testament to the culture of growth that we have here. Like, everybody's in a good position to, to move up in your specific sector because the information's always available. And they make it really easy for us to get better. And the coaching staff has everything to do with how well the, the players turn out. Obviously our, our system's notorious for making big leaguers and none of that happens without the guys behind the scenes. So it's, it's really, really cool to see those promotions within the organization. And then obviously like we have guys move on and go be in important roles in other organizations every year as well. Like the person I worked with most closely last year in, in the baseball side, Rada, he is the coordinator for the Padres now. So I, I would say that everybody that does move up in the Astro system, it's because our front office has noticed something worth moving them up for. And I love the moves that have been made with the with the double A staff this year. Really excited to be playing for those guys at the beginning of the year.
sir. Well, uh, I think that's all we got, Spencer. Man, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you, I know you're uh, busy down there in Florida, but appreciate you coming on with us. Busy is a loose loose description <laughs> of it, but yeah, I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time as well. It's really sure. cool. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for the first segment. The next segment, we're going to look at some things that are going on in spring, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor, drop us a review, leave us some stars. So spring training's here. Uh, nothing better to look at than the future, and here's what we got on the future. Kenny, I'm going to let you start off. What do you got to report from spring training so far? Yeah, we can bounce around uh, here and there, but I thought it would be the perfect spot to talk about the catchers. Uh, you know, we've heard that, you know, the Astros kind of went after some guys, looked in some trades this offseason. Nothing really worked on the Wilson Contreras trail. So it's looking like either Yiner Diaz or Corey Lee to back up Martin Maldonado. Corey Lee has the upper hand with development. I don't know where he is. He's been in the majors. He's played over a month before. Yiner Diaz might have the upper hand with, you know, he has some more offensive success in AAA. And people kind of forget that Corey – not even forget they didn't notice that Corey Lee had like a 900 OPS to close out the season before he got kind of a small injury. And then he got brought in on the world series roster at the end, the end of the world series. Uh, but, you know, looking at that, both vying for the backup spot. And if Brantley's not ready for some reason, both guys could make the opening day roster, which really could shake up the rest of the the system. We're looking at guys like CJ Stubbs and Luke Berryhill joining Cesar Salazar in AAA. I'm presuming that Cesar Salazar, who's been in AAA the last two seasons, is going to start AAA this year. But with CJ, with Luke Berryhill, those are two guys who can play first base. Those are guys who can DH. Spencer Arigetti, who just said it, that CJ can play the outfield as well. That's another. That's his versatility. That's what the Astros love, and that's what the Astros want in AAA. Yeah, and no, I mean, I'm... I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, Corey Lee or Yonder Diaz get that that opportunity. I know we, we kind of want to, to get the best catcher out there. Maldonado is obviously great defensively, but it's going to be nice to see one of those guys get, get the opportunity to, to to hit that backup role. And you mentioned it, you know, uh, Yonder Diaz has the versatility, play first base, and has that bat that maybe you'd want off the bench. But, I mean, I guess it's not unrealistic that the, the Astros could carry all three of them to start. I'd have to look at the roster, see how they'd break that down. But either way, both of them are probably going to be some pretty pretty key contributors this year just based on you know being on the, the roster already. We'll jump down to the next section, and this is one that got a lot of attention. Uh, Forrest Whitley, he's healthy right now. He, you know, He ended the season with a, a little bit of nagging stuff. Strikeout numbers look good in AAA, but still were you know still struggle with his walks a little bit. But I know uh, I know you were talking about some things that he had, and I think he was also working on adding a new pitch as well. Yeah, the splitter. Uh, splitter looks like it's going to jump in his arsenal this spring. Um, one of the coaches from DST that he worked with, it was kind of, it was his idea, and DST kind of helped him develop it. Just looking at something new that he could throw in there, and something that could just tunnel with this fastball, come from the same release point, and it looks like a fastball, but it's going to move. And it's kind of like your decept. A lot of people don't know the the full backstory on tunneling. It's just kind of deception. You're kind of showing the hitter that it's going to be a fastball comes out differently, or it's going to come out the same and look differently at the end. Um, the the issue is that it kind of eats up the pitching of his changeup is what the the coach said from DST, and his changeup is one of his highest graded pitches up there with his fastball. What what his fastball used to be. So that's kind of an interesting thing. But the whole thing is that the Astros could just scrap it. It's not something that could stick around forever, but it's something that you could definitely look out for on baseball savant if he's pitching this spring 
Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I, I really hope he, he stays healthy and gets opportunity to show what he can do. We, we saw a little bit of it last year. We saw him dominate the lower minor league levels. We saw him go to AAA and have a little bit of success. Like I said, the strikeouts were the, the stuff was there. We saw him throw in the high 90s. Hopefully, he can just stay healthy and, and have some success. I mean, at this point, you know, I think we would I think we would be good with him, you know, end up uh, being a solid reliever at this point. But if you get something out of Forrest Woodley, great. But, man, the upside is still there. The upside that got him drafted in the first round and made him one of the top pitching prospects is still there. We saw it last year on the field. Uh, it's just a matter of consistency now for him. Yeah, and we don't know the the where Lance McCullers is going to be. We know that we heard that he's not going to be ready for our opening day, and that's really going to test this the 40-man roster. It's going to yeah. test the the pitching depth. We, th- we know if Hunter Brown was probably going to get into that rotation anyways, if it was a six man, he definitely was. If they were going to stick to a five man, he maybe he was going to battle there with Luis Garcia, Jose Arquiti to see who would get some bullpen work instead. But, you know, this could really open a door for Forrest Whitley, too. If everything's clicking by the end of the season, definitely a spot star guy like Tyler Ivey if two years ago. Right. And that's that actually is another topic I want to talk about with with McCullers not being ready. Uh, you know, we'll have five starters, you know, assuming everything goes well in spring. But, yeah, you know, we could see the opportunity for some other guys to get a chance. Maybe a guy like J.P. France, who kind of moved to the bullpen last year, but we know he can stretch it out and be a starter. Is there anyone that you you can think of that, uh, you know, would maybe vie for that that sixth rotation spot, if you will? I mean, on the 40-man roster, you know, I think you kind of lean Brandon Belak, a guy who's had that success in 2020, really – kind of bounced around in 2021, 2022 was just depth when they needed it came up, you know, as the 27th man on the roster for those double headers. Um, I, I think it's, it's between, you know, him and Forrest Whitley, maybe that would, you know, be the next guy up if there's an injury or if they need a six man, if they're like on an 18 game stretch, I right. haven't looked at the schedule. I don't think they're going to have that issue like they have in the last two seasons, but I think DLAC would be the the safe bet. All right, so I know we put a couple down here. We're going to jump ship here and talk about a couple under-the-radar prospects to watch. Uh, as we get closer to the season, we'll really focus on on some guys that we're looking forward to the full season. But right now, I know we want to talk about some guys we're we're really interested to see in spring and see, and see how they operate, see what see what they do in their, in their playing times. I'll give a, a pitcher, and a hitter and a pitcher. I'll let you do the same, and I know we got a, a few others on here. But Miguel Palma, I know you just mentioned something uh, on him about signing with a, a team over in the – was it the uh, – Venezuelan uh, league, Venezuelan winter league. Yeah. Uh, but young catcher, good defensively, doesn't strike out, has some pop, did well in high A last year and, and definitely under the radar, I would say. Um, and then the other guy, Rhett Coba, you know, I, I know we talked about him a lot last year, uh, had some really good numbers. The the stuff is a lot better than I think maybe just some people would think, you know, he's throwing in the mid nineties, good curveball. I think he finished last year in high A. So I'm really interested to see what those two young guys can do uh, with their, with their time in, in spring this year. One thing I just want to jump on Miguel Palma is that like you know, he really thrived when he got the opportunity. Nero Rodriguez was having an awesome season in high A. Everything was clicking offensively, and it wasn't just because of the ballpark. He had a, like a higher OPS on the road, I think, than what than he did in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And he got hurt. CJ Stubbs just was on another planet. He right. you know, got hot offensively, took that hot offense, brought it up to Double A. Miguel Palma was there. He was ready for it. Miguel Palma played better in Asheville than he did in Fayetteville. So everything clicked for him. Definitely yeah. guy. He's at mini camp right now too. So stuff's going well for him. For Another sure. catcher at mini camp, Sandra Gastone. I am so excited about this. You know, I'm like, Big time. like a fanboy on this guy. You know, he's 20 <laughs> years old, 900 OPS DSL all-star. Everything was, was, he was rolling like 15 doubles, 15 home runs in his first professional season, in the Dominican summer league. Everything's looks good for Sandro. And it was, you know, there was some visa worries. You know, he's a Cuban born baseball player. And I talked with some coaches in the system. They were like, you know, we're hoping, you know, he can get up there at some point. We just don't know yet. 
and he got up there and he's at mini camp right now and he's catching guys like Jairus or Jairo Solis who was on the 40-man roster not not too long ago and he's a yeah. non-roster invitee so they're trusting him with some of these higher level arms uh speaking of a non-roster invitee uh Austin Hansen guy who had Tommy John surgery at the end of the 2021 season was nowhere to be seen in 2022 recovering in the Florida Complex League added a cutter uh, to his arsenal this offseason. It looks kind of like his fastball, but it's, he's talked about everyone's adding a cutter to that slider mix. It's looking good for him. It's The Astros are trusting him to bring him back. Yeah, and, and real quick on Gaston, yeah, 1,100 OPS, you know, as a 19-year-old, his first experience of professional ball over in the DSL. I know we're talking about spring, but, man, I, I'm really excited to see where the Astros start him at. Like, if he gets the opportunity to start out in Fayetteville, uh, a full season ball, you know, at 20 years old, catching that staff. So, yeah, a couple of intriguing guys. One other one I, I want to mention, Leos Donis Molina. I think it was Leos, Leos Donny during the season last year, but uh, but it looks like it's changed. But you go look at his offensive stats, and they're they're not phenomenal. You know, right, when you just look at, like, the OPS, the strikeout numbers are up a little bit. But once – same thing, um, like, Estonia is his first full season over in, in, in uh, stateside playing in the United States. Uh, but he's phenomenal defensively. Really, really good up the middle. Uh, probably one of the best defensive shortstops the Astros have in the minor league system right now. He's still young, uh, came from Cuba, had good numbers over in Cuba. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what what he does this year and, and like I said, what he, uh, what he does when he gets the opportunity in spring. And another guy I was looking at position player-wise, Matthew Barefoot. Guy's coming back from soldier surgery, missed almost the whole season last year, didn't really get that chance to come back up in September for AA. Uh, he's really battling, though. There's going to be a lot of talent in AA this year, a lot of outfielders pushing their way into AAA, and a lot of guys in you know high A, like Joey Loperfito, um, Colin Barber. You know, these guys are going to try to push their way up. So he's got some competition behind him, but – I don't forget, like, you know, he had a pretty explosive 2021 between single A and high A. Yeah. So a guy that's, you know, he has that pop, he has the power. That's something to just watch out for. All right. I know you got one more on there. So and you just wrote a piece on him. But but tell me, what's one other guy you're looking forward to watching? Yeah, very under the radar. Uh, Dalen Miley didn't hear his name called in 2021, signed with the Astros soon after. The Astros are a sucker for some of those Midwest talent, Missouri guys mm-hmm. in that area, Tennessee. Um, and Tennessee's the South, but Dalen uh, changed his posture and his arm or arm slot this past season in June really didn't work out for him until August. And he had a sub three ERA the rest of the way, 40 some odd strikeouts and 20 some odd innings. Everything was working well for Dalen after that. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the the one, I mean, I'm trying to remember last year, but I know there's always guys that kind of show out in spring and then people are like, Oh man, who's this guy? You know, and he, mm-hmm. he kind of uh, makes a name for himself early. Um, so really excited to see who the Astros can can use this year and see who kind of stands out. Uh, but Kenny, we're going to wrap it up with this. What's the best thing that you learned this week? Uh, best thing I learned this week, Palmer Wenzel. Uh, he was an Astros prospect last year. Unfortunately, you know, his career didn't really pan out the way he wanted. Kind of battled some mechan- uh, me- or mechanical issues in his windup and stuff like that. But um, he coded. He was a coder. He's a very smart guy. He went to the University of Texas. But I heard that he, from a DST coach, said he stayed up until 2 a.m. some nights after games just mm-hmm. coding. He was just a computer guy, and he's got a good career ahead of him if he can do that. Definitely. Uh, one thing I'll note, and I, I really just learned it today, um, and we kind of talked about it earlier, but the, pit, the it's the coaching staff. The uh, the AA Hooks coaching staff is basically the same staff that was uh, coaching in Fayetteville last year. And if you look at the overall record, you may be a little disappointed. I looked at earlier today, just to, as a reminder, they were 55 and 75. But it was a... 
they had a lot of really, really young talent. So to see that staff get to work in double A with some some more advanced prospects, uh, really looking forward to Joe Thon and uh, and his his uh, staff out there to see what they can do. Yes, it, most definitely. Like you heard a guy from you know one of those guys was on that that Woodpeckers team, Matt Jones, a strength coach. He was just happy that the Astros kept them together. You know that's that's great to hear. These guys are pretty excited about where they landed. Yep. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the uh, podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros and the minor league system.